You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us once again. This is Rick Hadrava, your host for another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. I have with us in the studios here today, a friend of mine, Mike Moran. Mike is a CPA and CGMA, which for those of you that don't know, like myself, is the Chartered Global Management Accountant designation. Mike has over 25 years of business experience. During his career, Mike served as an audit manager for a regional accounting firm, business administrator for a large church, administrator for an oral surgery practice, or actually several practices, and a consulting manager providing outsourced CFO services to several different businesses. Mike founded Moran Advisory after developing his consulting approach while serving his outsourced clients at the accounting firm of Hogan Taylor. Mike is focused on assisting his clients in a variety of business areas and helping them become more profitable through strategic consultations. In addition to that, Mike is happily married and a father, proud father, several activities in the community that he's involved in. And so uh, with all that, let me introduce to the Epic Studios today, Mike Moran. Mike, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Rick. Hey, listen, so one of the questions, you know, we've had several conversations over the years and one of the questions that came up as I was preparing for you today um, was your background as a CPA. So I'm always curious, what was it that that put you on your journey uh, to be a CPA and play in the tax world? Well, uh, it was actually the oil bust because I was uh, preparing for college and I had done research and boy, you, you start looking and at the time, petroleum engineering was the highest paying career. And uh, uh, the oil bust happened and so I switched uh, but even as I tried to pursue the engineering side, I just started looking around and realizing I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. I'm not enjoying who I'm working with and going to class with. And so I just made a switch and it was very fortunate for me because I decided in just a little research without knowing about it, I think accounting is it. And the first class that I took, and I still to this day can't, uh, explain why it is because most people are going, I would rather have a sharp stick in the eye than do accounting. <laughs> Everyone remembers their accounting class either as a good thing or a not so good thing, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah. And it, it just did it for me. And I, I got it. It made sense. I could see things that others couldn't and I was hooked. Okay. So, so that's led to this career. Tell us a little bit about, so once you got out of college and that journey um, where was your first opportunity? What did that look like? And I'm just curious, the progression of, of up until today, what's happened in the accounting field is different. What has your career path taken? Um, just share with us a little yeah. bit about, about that journey, if you would. You bet. So uh, I, I was fortunate to start my career with Deloitte & Touche, an uh, international firm, and really loved it. Made lifelong friends and it, the most striking thing to me about that group is now I can look at some of the captains of industry here in Oklahoma City 
and I worked with them at Deloitte and Touche. So, you know, that's always a fun thing to grow up uh, in business with people. But was very happy there, but had an opportunity uh, to go to Hogan and Slovacek. A friend of mine took over the audit practice there, and uh, uh, now that firm's known as Hogan Taylor. Uh, but we were just a, a, a small firm at the time, and uh, well, we were fortunate enough to experience some growth. And then uh, my friend uh, ended up going on staff at a church. Well, that surprised me in some ways, although knowing him and knowing his character, it wasn't that surprising. The church quickly grew, and it ended up that they needed a business administrator. And so my experience in the public accounting world specifically qualified me for that. And sure. so I, I established that position. Uh, I, I used to joke that if it doesn't deal with preaching or, or singing, I was doing it. And I did some of those too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it really enjoyed my time there. And then uh, I thought that God's plan would be that I retire there. Mm -hmm. and, and he threw me a curveball. I had a buddy that was one of the most brilliant oral surgeons in the in the state and yet he was the worst businessman to this date i've ever seen and he he would confirm that but i was helping him dig out of a a bad business situation and basically i hired myself as his administrator and so that's where i started developing my my skills and my expertise on the medical and dental side and uh, it was a fun ride. Um, the highlight of it was uh, it, at one point he was just under triple what he was making uh, net income wise uh, from whenever, uh, whenever I started. So oh. it, it was wonderful. But, uh, uh, but then um, had a great opportunity to come back to Hogan Taylor and they were doing something cutting edge uh, called advisory services. And it, it was a little out of the box. It was a little different than the model that we had seen in public accounting. It used to just be tax and audit. And advisory really lets you get out there. And uh, our motto was fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> because that's, that's the problem of being on the cutting edge. There's not... Uh, well, you learn as you go, right? Exactly. Right. There, there's not a blueprint for here's exactly how you do it. And okay. so... We, we continued to develop that. I was providing outsourced CFO services. And what we found is you didn't have to be an expert in that particular industry as long as you had the solid business acumen yep. and, and uh, straightforward approaches from a business standpoint, we could help just about anybody. Well, let's circle back yeah. to the oral surgeon for a second because I feel sure. like we skipped over yeah. that. And I think that's an important, important, an important pivot in your career. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you hit on it, we see this all the time, and I know you have too over the years, is really good qualified people at their craft. And that's really what you're saying about your friend that's an oral surgeon. But it's hard, it's different, right, to, to run a business um, from a successful point of view and still do what you love in that technical space, right? And, right. and that's really what you were talking about there. How long... We, I didn't um, hear you say how long you actually worked with him. I'd be curious sure. what that transformation period was. Yeah. So I, I worked with him for uh, seven years. Okay. And it was, it was like laying tracks in front of a moving train. Because, again, <laughs> I had business acumen, but 
he was a hot mess mm-hmm. business-wise and financially. And so uh, it really started, my first day with him was waiting outside just before noon of the uh, business that he was practicing at. He resigned during lunch and I helped him box his stuff and get it out to the car. I wished him well, told him to go rest. And uh, (laughs) by the next morning, uh, I had him incorporated. He was set up as a legal entity. Uh, We had uh, uh, bank financing in place. We signed a, a lease on a title company. And we, uh, within 60 days, we turned a title company location into a fully operational oral surgery facility. Fantastic. And so the thing is, I started working with him. The thing that really professionally irked me were were the amount of predators in the consulting and professional realm surrounding Mm -hmm. him. And I found that I had to be a gatekeeper and a protector of him. And I kept noticing that that same problem was happening to the general dentist that was referring to us. And so as I started helping them, as they realized what I did and, and some of the things that I knew, I started helping them. And so really, unbeknownst to me, I began my dental consulting career right there. And the great thing was, um, while, while I learned what they needed, I also learned to not overpackage them and overserve them mm-hmm. because that's the problem. A lot of times they might need $25 worth of help, but yet all the consultants out there want to give them a $1,000 package. I love it. That's It's yeah. a very good point. I'm curious though, was this a situation initially where your friend had the vision but didn't know how to make it materialize. So you became his implementer. That's, in, that's right. Right. Cause you made the comment about laying the tracks and <laughs> the trains coming. So, so I'm curious, um, is that something that you see often where the technical guy has a vision or, or gal has a vision for what they want it to be. And sometimes it's just a matter like you said, it, it's a $25 solution of just laying an extra piece of track going the right way. Right. Right. And that's exactly right, because, you know, it's a situation that in his case, he was at point A. He had very specific ideas on what point B looked like and where it was. He just had no clue how to get there. Right. And that's common with visionaries. And so all I did, I've said at times that I have the spiritual gift of second banana. I'm really good at coming in and helping people achieve their goals. And so as a result, I just I just really dove into what do you want to do? What does that look like? And then I came back and sometimes it was really exciting for him, you know, to know what needed to happen, but a lot of times it was really painful for him because he was frustrated with what he saw as minutia and what I saw is just necessary steps and part of the business process to get there. And there's huge value for somebody to, like that to have somebody like you to step in that fire because it's not where they want to be every day, right? right? And they want to just do what they're doing and grow and, and continue to go the direction they're going. But I, I'm pretty sure because I see this a lot of times is that causes problems if if the things in front of them aren't dealt with. That's right. right? And and dealt with from somebody that genuinely 
wants to help them get to where they want. It's not the other person's agenda. It's the owner's agenda. That's right. And unfortunately, in his situation, I was the first one that truly had his best interest at heart that also had control of the finances. But we wouldn't have had such a good run together if I didn't have the power of no with him because I was also the first one that he allowed to say no. Now, sometimes I would explain myself and sometimes I knew that was more minutia he didn't want to deal with. But the bottom line is he started seeing the results of that no. And so that's something that I've adopted now. I really try as I'm talking with a a prospective client, I I try to look for areas that I'm going to say something that I know they don't want to hear because I want to see their reaction. Because if they're just going to receive it and dismiss it immediately because it's not what they want to hear, we're wasting our time working together. And so that's something that's been very valuable on a client acceptance uh, uh, methodology that I did. We, we have that same principle, whether it's in the wealth management business that we have or the business advisory is being able to sit down with somebody and, and assess that pretty quickly mm-hmm. uh, and, and say no and, and empowering. That sounds like a lot of fun to me. So you go back to Hogan Taylor and you're growing the advisory piece, and you've done that for how many years were you there? Uh, I was back for about three years. Okay. And I loved it, but part of part of the great thing of success is sometimes you can have a little more success than what you can physically handle. And I, I think we all have to be realistic in both our talents and abilities as well as our limitations. It's probably more important to know our limitations than even our talents and abilities. And so I, uh, Aaron Ackerman led the advisory practice here in Oklahoma City. I've got amazing respect for him. And I, I looked and, and just in the efficiency standpoint of him being able to take care of a client, he could do it more quickly than I could. Right. And, and so that didn't mean that I was bad, but it mean that I had to put in more hours, which is kind of tough in a situation that accountants in general, if there's a knock against them, it's they work a ton of hours. And so, you know, I, I was wrestling with that because you have to draw the line and say, man, how many outsourced CFO clients can I truly handle? And so as I was, as I was trying to strike that balance of uh, between work and life and, and you know, work a, a decent number of hours, I kept coming back to the, the dental model that really the firm wanted me to develop when I came back. And honestly, we struggled at it a little bit at the start because the firm was big. I mean, when you've got 350 people over two states and four cities, you've got some overhead. Yes. And so as a result... I kept trying to really scale these things up and, you know, some projects are big and that's great. And we had great success there. But what I consistently found is there was still this underlying need that was there. And I was struggling to be able to scale the the ongoing procedures down low enough that it made financial sense for the firm and it made financial sense for the practitioner. But I, what I did is I went in and I didn't, I didn't create anything. I just took components and I tried to automate them 
and I tried to make them as efficient as possible. And I also tried to make it to where it was all remote delivery as much as possible. Um, and so, you know, what happened is I, uh, I kept being approached by, um, by dentists that needed accounting help. And I, I didn't want to be a bookkeeper, but at the same time, I'm like, I am a CPA and I am smart enough to use technology to my advantage. So let me play with this model and see how much we can rely on technology to do work to where they're not having to pay me for basic accounting. They get that taken care of and then I can consult with them and truly help them in their, in their strategy side of things. And so we automated with QuickBooks Online. I developed a dashboard because they get lost in the shuffle a lot of times of seeing what's truly important in their business. And so I kept it simple. I didn't try to overwhelm them, but I kept their eye constantly on the things that they needed to look at to be the most productive and the most profitable. And so I started having success with that and they started coming on. And so I, I had a little bit of a Jerry Maguire moment in, uh, in my uh, evaluation because I came to my boss and I said, I want to phase out of the outsource CFO work. I love it. It's really great. But you see the momentum that we have in this medical and dental niche. I want to go for it and I want to serve them only. I don't want to be a partner in the firm because I thought it would take, it would take my focus away from serving that, that client base. And, and he said something that ended up effectively starting the thoughts of Moran Advisory. He said, I absolutely see the momentum and we really like it, but they are small clients, you know, in the Hogan Taylor client base in the world of Hogan Taylor. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they, they are, they're, they are a great firm position to, to do some incredibly large uh, clients and, and, and uh, client projects. But he then said, have, have you ever thought of doing this on your own? Well, my initial response was no, because I would never <laughs> compete with Hogan Taylor, but I knew in the back of my mind, even when he said it, it was the right answer. And what an amazing opportunity I ended up having because they're they're just to me I'm I'm obviously biased but I believe they're the best firm out there. Well, it sounds like they treated you well. They did you, several times through your career. Yeah, and I find it impressive that they'd even have that conversation with you because I've been privy to conversations before, and they get they tend to get combative once in a while, right? but it doesn't sound like that was an environment you, you had to deal with. Not, not at all, because they truly saw that both Hogan Taylor and what I was desiring in, in creating and servicing in a firm could work together better if you were separate. And so, you know, I, I couldn't have been helped more. I mean, they, they literally, help me form my own firm. <laughs> I, I tell people that and, and it's the same thing you said. They're like, I've never heard a, a firm breakup like that. Well, it, that's because it's not a breakup. You know, it's a collaboration. It just took a little different path to better serve the client, to lower their overhead, you know, and, and me form my own firm. And so as a result, 
they are uh, they are my go-to mm-hmm. for tax services. I'm not going. To, uh, I'm not a tax specialist. Never wanted to be. Never rethought that decision. I still think that's one of the best decisions I ever made. But they have some of the preeminent tax experts in the state, okay. and they are going to serve my clients better than anybody else. And so, uh, as as many times as I can in a year, I love calling Lyndall over at Hogan Taylor and say. Hey, congratulations. You just got a new client. I'll introduce them to you soon. <laughs> and that's great collaboration. It, yeah. I mean, basically you take your competition, if you, if mm-hmm. a lot of people look at it yeah. and you make them into allies, yeah. right? And, and I think more and more, I think we're seeing that yeah. right? in, in the way that business is going. Let's, let's circle in and focus on Moran advisor advisory now, excuse me. So here you are, Right now, you're you're your own employer and own employee. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit of the day in the life, uh, what you're focused on. You know what your vision is for for your organization. Yeah. So it, it's an amazing transition because here I am. I do qualify for the podcast. I'm over fifty. <laughs> I'm making a huge move, and for the first time in my life, I am not drawing a W-2 paycheck from somebody. Now, I do still issue myself a W-2 because I'm an escort, but, right. you know, that's a whole other thing. But it, it's just an incredible thought. And, and the two words that go together in that initial journey are exciting and terrifying. Absolutely. <laughs> You're spot on. And, and so, you know, the first hoop that I had to jump through was going home and talking to my wife about it because she has great security as she should in, in my positions and, and knowing what we're going to make for the next year. But I also knew that that initial conversation, if I could make it very clear to her that I could provide similar insurance to what we had, (laughs) I was going to be okay. And, And she has, she's been extremely supportive. My kids, uh, they're grown 24 and 21 uh, they've been very supportive, but it, it's it's amazing the true change that happens whenever you go from a great corporate environment to you have to be completely self-driven and you're answering to yourself on how many hours you work and what you get accomplished each day. And so there really have been some challenges. You know, one of the things one of the things that I realized that I didn't miss all of the interruptions that business community brings, but I did miss the camaraderie and I miss the accountability. And that's something that I constantly try to provide to my clients because typically if I'm dealing with a doctor or a dentist, well, what they say goes. And sometimes that's great. And a lot of times it's de- detrimental to what they want to achieve. And so in my case, I've, I've sought out like-minded entrepreneurs that are small business guys just like me, and we'll meet for breakfast once a month and just talk about, okay, this was on your to-do list. What, right. what did you get done this month? So, well, I think that's, so the workshops that we do on a monthly basis, we start each one out talking about going around the room going, what are your wins, right, mm-hmm. as, as entrepreneurs? And then what are you struggling with, right? And it's yeah. the collective group chiming in. I always say, 
my role is just to pay for breakfast a mm-hmm. lot of times. Um, but it's really important as entrepreneurs, and I'm glad you hit on that topic, that we have a network of people because it is lonely being exactly. a successful business owner, right? An entrepreneur. And that community is as vital as anything else that we do, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I want to go back to something because I think, I think you highlighted something else that's critical. You know, one of the things that we want to promote are entrepreneurism. Mm-hmm. And one of those facets to me is that second half entrepreneur, right? Coming out of mm-hmm. corporate and you're a great example. But you hit on the fact that your, your wife supports you. And that's mm-hmm. basically what I heard you say. I think that that is a linchpin kind of thing. Because this is a hard journey early on, and you, your spouse has to be on board. They don't have to understand everything. That's right. But, but um, that's critical because you're going to go home occasionally worn out, a little frustrated as a business owner as, as you're growing your organization. And, and I think you hit on that. Take, take us through what a dentist or somebody in the medical that you're working with in the medical field what does that journey look like when they're doing business with you? If, if we have somebody in the audience that's listening that's a, a dentist, sure. um, do you mind doing that? No, that'd be great. Um, let's start uh, Let's start first with the newbies is mm-hmm. what I call them. You know, my dental kids or my medical kids. You know, anybody that is going to own their own practice is suddenly thrust into the world of being a small business owner. And... The schools, no matter what specialty you do, they are wonderful at training you to be able to provide the best quality care to your patients, but they spend hardly any time related to teaching you how to be a small business person. And so that's really how I I designed the procedures, largely starting out, I knew what I did with my oral surgeon buddy, and I knew what was successful with him, but I realized if I just think about it and design the procedures as if I was going to help somebody start from scratch, those were some of the best, uh, the, the best projects and the best services that I could provide. And so I never, I never want to keep the services so simple that they become commonplace or they're not helpful. But I've also found that oftentimes the simplest answer is also the best answer. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's where I focus. And so uh, a lot of times I will start out by a banker friend calling me going, Hey, I've got this uh, great young doctor or dentist. They're buying a practice. The seller has all this representation and they have nobody and they don't know what to do. And so I'll help them on the buy side of that transaction and help them get started right. And then most of the time that will lead to a monthly engagement. And, you know, my, my most popular package just simply offers unlimited access to me. And so, you know, I have a few people that they don't abuse it, but boy, they get their money's worth <laughs> out of it. <laughs> but most of the time, what I find is, you know, two or three times out of the month, I'll get a call that I can really give some basic advice that doesn't take me a lot of time, but boy, it's extremely valuable to them. It kept them out of a financial ditch that they didn't see the risk related to it. Um, you know, I'll uh, oftentimes the calls will be about a problem employee or about, well, 
what about this? Or, uh, you know, I had a, a, a dentist uh, contact me the other day and unjustifiably a patient uh, that they had been over backwards for ripped them on social media. And so I'm having to coach them on how to respond appropriately, you know, not put themselves at legal jeopardy. And then also in that case, it was needed that the, the patient be fired. And so I coached them through how to do that too. None of that was covered in my CPA exam. Right. <laughs> it's just experience and, and knowledge it, coming to the table, right? It, it is. And so, you know, that's, you know, what happens. My procedures and my services are really focused on profitability and risk avoidance, you know, and then you throw in accountability with that. And so it's obvious that can help a new person. But a lot of times doctors and dentists won't realize the money that they're leaving on the table just by doing some really simple things. Good point. And I, I spoke to the uh, veterinary residents last night uh, up at OSU, and I, I told them that if they would spend five to 15 minutes at the end of the day, uh, you know, the first thing I said is you, you need to delegate as much as you can so you can, you know, provide care, but you can't delegate everything. You have to maintain controls, you know, as a small business owner, you have to do some things. And so... My description to them was, if you will spend five to 15 minutes, one, just look at what the daily reports that they bring to you. Just see, did the cash that, that is posted as collected in your system, did it make it into your bank account? Right. <laughs> you know, that will cover the fraud thing. But even more importantly, because I, unfortunately, I've worked too many fraud cases over the last few years, but... I, while I hope for them that they don't experience a fraud, mistakes, honest mistakes, cost practitioners thousands of dollars. And so one of the things that I will coach them on is simply at the end of the day, and you can't, you're not as effective if you don't do it that same day, but at the end of the day, simply take your schedule and look at it and make sure that your staff entered the production for everything you did and everyone you saw that day. Because a lot of times the staff will get busy and let's say that one or two procedures are left out. Well, if that ended up being $1,000 each month, that adds up to a Hawaiian vacation. <laughs> <laughs> or, or reinvesting in the business and some exactly. equipment or something else that, that they want to do. It, and that's, um, it goes back to a lot of today, the popular thing is automation or delegation, mm -hmm. which are good things. Right. But you have to, you have to go back as the owner and have some kind of, scorecard or dashboard or whatever, right. or some methodology to um, inspect the stuff that, that you're delegating out so or, yeah. or automating out. That's really good. What has you most excited, Mike, in, in the work that you're doing, the direction you're going um, today? Well, I, it, it seems like what, what trips my trigger is whenever I get off that monthly call, because that's, to me, that's really important, is for us to sit down each month. And, you know, we started out by getting, what are your personal goals? What are your practice goals? What, what do you want to do with your time in and out of the practice? And so, you know, part of our time, beyond just looking at the finances of the practice, is spent on that. And, that's the most rewarding thing is 
being able to not change their world, but just keep them on track and going in the right direction, not chasing rabbits financially or time-wise. And when they realize or achieve that goal that they couldn't get to before they were working with me, you hang up and you're just walking on clouds at that point. Makes that, it worth it, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And it, it's so exciting. And, and uh, you know, you, you get that feedback. And, and I think sometimes we underestimate how much attaboys mean to us. And so that's why I constantly make sure that I celebrate successes with my clients because a lot of times, you know, they'll get, they'll get to it and they almost have the feeling of, well, that's what we were trying to do and we did it. No, no, let's celebrate this. This is a big thing. And so by the same token, I realize it's important to me too, because when I hang up and I've helped them get where they want to be, Man, it'll it'll make you tear up. Yeah, so well, excited about it. <laughs> well, and and it it that's one way to know that you're on the right path, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and and you're playing in that unique ability, that thing that gives. And I think for me, it's it's we're giving back, we're contributing to other people's success. Right. And I think that's a big part of the entrepreneurial world is um, we can all be successful helping other people, right? Yeah, and that's what you've done, Mike. I love it. If you had to explain freedom for yourself as a business owner, an entrepreneur. And I'm going to, I'm going to make a caveat. Also, you know, you're dealing with the medical field, the dental field for these folks. What, how would you define freedom as an entrepreneur? Well, for me, uh, it's being able to operate a successful firm without being consumed by a successful firm. And, you know, it, as I said, excess hours are really common in accounting. And, and so, you know, you have to balance between what do I want to achieve? What financial rewards do I want to reap out of it? But what cost am I willing to pay for that? And so here I am in this very exciting time. And if I, I'm, I'm still a solo in my practice. I've just, I've just been doing this on my own for a few months. If I'm wearing my consulting hat, I'm a couple of clients too late in hiring my first employee. If I'm wearing my CPA hat, which I wear more than my consulting <laughs> hat I find in Marine Advisory, I'm still a couple away. But what what I'm going to be very mindful of, and, and I already am, is I am going to be the person that hires more employees to give me more freedom because how I, how I transcend that into the medical dental space is I always use a simple phrase of make sure your practice is working for you and you're not working for your practice. Because a lot of times if they're not strategic, they don't realize it, but they're just getting in this daily grind. They're like a hamster that's getting in their wheel and they, they work hard, but they don't get anywhere because they're not being strategic. And that's where my consultation helps them is they, that second set of eyes and, and, you know, some of the gray hair on the side of my head that, uh, you know, that is the result of, of trial and error helps them get to the goals that they've been struggling with for years. Man, that's, that's powerful because I'm always caught by the business owner that literally walks in every day and grinds it out and, 
That's just kind of what they've grown up doing, not realizing that they're really hurting themselves and hurting hurting their business, right? Because they're not stepping back. They're not looking at where they should think strategically in, in these different areas. Um, and I know we see that in the dental and medical field all the time because that's how they're that's how they're brought up, right. right? To your point, you said a long time ago, they're taught how to be really good clinically. You bring in the business aspect of it, which I think I think is valuable. We're coming to the end of the show. What I what I'm curious is with all this knowledge and experience, turn it into wisdom for us. If you had to share one piece of advice for entrepreneurs that are listening to our program today, what would that what would that look like? Well, it it kind of riffs off of what we talked about earlier. And that is you can't delegate everything. And unfortunately, like I said, I've, I've worked some pretty significant frauds recently. In the last couple of years, uh, we quit counting on one at $150,000 because I didn't want to charge my client more money to find out more bad news. I knew that we weren't going to recover it from the person that perpetrated it. Uh, another one, they were in the middle of selling the company. They ended up selling it for $36 million. But as we came in to help them on the outsourced CFO side of things, their lead accountant resigned. And within two weeks, I had documented a $393,000 fraud. And we realized that he was addicted to gambling. And unfortunately, now he's in prison as a result of his poor choices and actions. But... The reason why I tell those horror stories is because they might not all be on the same scope, but they are way too common. And oftentimes they happen with the people that are most trusted in our organization. And so, you know, it, it's, not, it's not just fraud, but sometimes it's just doing some of the little things that we have to do as a business owner. And so as much as I'm dedicated in making sure I have enough staff to keep some of that busy work away from me or off my plate. As a small business owner, there are just certain things that we have to be responsible for. You know, we'd, I'd love it if all I did was go out and talk to new prospective clients and, and get them going and start, you know, just doing the consulting things. But as a small business owner, we can't delegate everything. And yeah. so you have to be committed doing those, those few core things that you have to do and make sure that you have internal controls and accountability set up because as soon as somebody has complete control of an individual business process and there's no accountability of somebody looking over their shoulder, things go horribly wrong even with the best of people. So the old axiom, inspect what you expect. Right. Exactly right. Proactively can save you a whole lot of heartburn down the road. That's right. Right. It, it's it's a whole lot better to tell horror stories that happened to somebody else than, <laughs> than, than tell how many thousands of dollars somebody was able to take out of your account. Well, maybe a symptom of the fact that we're all working really hard and super busy and, and, and we have to have that level of trust. Right. Mike, it's been great. Uh, I so appreciate you and look up to you. Um, let me ask you this. If somebody's listening and they want to learn more about your services, how do they get in touch with you? How, how, how can they learn more about what the, what the work that you're doing uh, sure. today? The, the best way is just my very short and sweet uh, website. Uh, it's moranadvisory.com. 
And it just gives you a basic level of here's what I do. Here's some of the areas uh, that I work in. And then my contact information is there either by email or by phone. Uh, I, some of the things I enjoy most are those free conversations that we have long before we ever get into a full, you know, fee for service you relationship. Bet. You bet. And, and so whether, uh, whether or not we ever work together as a, a client and, and consultant basis, the people that I have the initial conversations with walk away with some pearls that they can go back to their practice immediately and adapt whether or not we ever work together professionally. Sounds good. Guys, this is Rick Hendrava. You've been listening to another edition of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. If you want to check out Mike's website, go to moranadvisory.com. That's M-O-R-A-N advisory.com. Check him out. Give him a call. I know he would personally take your phone call and love to talk to you. Until next time, let's keep moving the dial and thank you for tuning in. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com formula. And remember, we're only getting started.